The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Talking Halos, Derek C. Apollo, all by myself tonight, getting ready for the big Arizona Diamondback series. Watching the current Angels game today, we are out of town tomorrow, so I'll make sure I got this out to you and ready to go. Before we get with our interview to preview the series, here's a look at our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we reached out to the Ain't No Fang podcast. They cover the Arizona Diamondbacks. Steve Zinmeister is our, uh, is our guest today, and he breaks down so much with what the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing. What's happened to this franchise is a franchise that was competing for the division not too long ago, so a couple years ago, and now they are, well, a train wreck. So here we go. Here's Steve Zinsmeister from the Ain't No Fang podcast. All right, I'm here with Steve Zinsmeister. Man, I, I messed up names so bad. I'm legendary for it. Checked it. So I'm sure I said it right. Steve Zinsmeister from the Ain't No Fang podcast. Correct. Yes. That's correct. Um, 
covers the Arizona Diamondbacks. A big series for the Angels this weekend with the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks themselves struggling in 20 and 43. Steve, how you doing? I, I'm fine. It's it's unfortunate the situation the Diamondbacks are in. It's much worse than my situation. But yeah, it, I, it's funny you say a big series. I don't know what's a big series for the Diamondbacks anymore. And, and it's much different from the Angels side and the in your perspective, I'm sure. But this team is in rough shape, Derek. Now, this team was, they were a bit tougher last year. I expected a lot more on the Diamondbacks this year. What's gone wrong? Well, there's many things that have gone wrong. But when you mentioned last year, it's funny because a year and a half ago, going into the 2020 season, I would have told you that the Diamondbacks were loading up to compete with the Dodgers. Now, I don't think anybody expected them to be as good as the Dodgers. Certainly went on to win the World Series. but. Nobody expected what ended up happening. The team tanked in the first month of last season, which is half the season, and they ended up trading the player, Starling Marte, who they had acquired the previous offseason to fill a huge hole in center field. So Mm -hmm. once they did that, they unloaded other guys uh, like Robbie Ray and uh, Andrew Chafin and some others. Once they started to unload players, everyone started looking around and realizing, okay, we're not trying to compete right now. And I think that angered a lot of the players. Nick Ahmed, especially the shortstop, he was very vocal about it at the time. And uh, here we are heading into the next season, and the front office really only addressed, well, actually pretty much nothing. They went out and got Asdrubal Cabrera was the big addition. And I like Asdrubal Cabrera, and he's been pretty good when he's played this season, which isn't all the time. But that's not a huge addition. They went out and got Joaquin Soria. Not a huge addition. Uh, Tyler Clippard hasn't played for the Diamondbacks yet. So those are their acquisitions in the offseason. It didn't make anyone feel any better in this market. So talent is the number one issue, first and foremost. Secondary to that is, who's a good pitcher on the Arizona Diamondbacks right now? Zach Gallen, I would say, definitely their best player, their best pitcher, but has had some injuries here and there this season, had some scares. Um, Taylor Widener has certainly come out of nowhere and pitched well for them. But again, he's injured. So they have like 80% of their starting rotation from the beginning of the season is injured. And nobody in the bullpen doing anything of note. Caleb Smith is a guy who's pitched pretty well, um, but he had one start at the beginning of the season, and then they relegated him to the bullpen. So he's kind of on a comeback tour right now. So I don't know. There's not a lot going right for the Diamondbacks right now. So help me understand this a little bit here. Going back through the recent franchise history. This was a team that you mentioned was building up. They're, they're trying to compete, tr- you know, trying to challenge the Dodgers. They had a really solid 2017, come back a little bit in 2018, but they're, they finished second in 2019. They look primed. Then last year happens. You really only had one really, really good season. I have that whole run. Why <laughs> yeah, pack it right. in so early? I mean, when I mentioned to you earlier that the Angels, the Diamondbacks always seem to get the Angels' problems, it's because they do. And I expected a lot more out of them this year, considering, I mean, I consider 2020 to be kind of a wash. Like, you know, you, a lot of teams don't even find their feet until 70 games. So, why the change? Why, why the just kind of Okay, we're not trying to win anymore. You basically just threw away your last 10 years of building. 
Well, I would tell you this. I don't think anyone in that organization would say openly that they're not trying to win games. And that's not just coach speak or front office speak. I think that's true on some level. It's not so much that they're trying to lose. It's that everybody is injured. I've never seen this happen to a team before. And I know injuries impact every organization. And certainly the Angels have had their fair share, including the best player in baseball. But this Diamondbacks team, I mean, you look at the lineup, the roster, pretty much every player has seen the IL at least once already in this young season. We're about a third of the way through, and pretty much everyone's spent time there. Cattell Marte's their best position player. He's been injured. Zach Gallen's their best pitcher. He's been injured. A whole bunch of guys in the rotation that I mentioned. Nick Ahmed has spent time on the IL. Carson Kelly has spent time on the IL. Pretty much everybody has. Christian Walker spent time on the IL as Drupal Cabrera. I just named pretty much everybody on the team. So I would tell you that that plays a huge role in what's happening right now. Um, but additionally, yeah, they loaded up before 2020. That trade for Starling Marte that I mentioned, that was kind of the thing that brought it all together in my mind. That along with the signing of Madison Bumgarner. Spending $85 million on him was a big move. It's really the only big contract that Mike Hazen has handed out in his time as the general manager here. Um, so that kind of said to me, we're going for it in 2020. And remember, this is before the Padres were the Padres. Mm-hmm. And certainly nobody had seen the Giants season coming, the one that they're currently having. And the Rockies are the Rockies. They've always kind of been expected to be fit, at least for the last couple of years. So I don't think that the Diamondbacks saw this coming either, and I certainly don't think they're trying to lose at this point. Um, but I would not be shocked if we see maybe somebody get fired. It could be Tori Lovello. We know that in baseball especially, managers seem to take the fall often when teams can't put it together. Uh, it could be somebody from the front office, although I kind of doubt that a little bit more. Um, or we could just see them start to sell off players like they did in the middle of last season. Well, who do you think they would be selling off right now? Well, you take a look at the lineup. It's it's actually one of the older cores, I guess you would call it. I mean, you've got a 31-year-old shortstop in Nick Ahmed who's considered one of the better defensive shortstops, although he's had his lapses this season and last. So is Nick Ahmed somebody who could be useful to a team like, I don't know, the Reds who have been trying to play uh, Eugenio Suarez and shortstop or... Uh, is Eduardo Escobar, who has a really favorable contract, and he's 32 years old. Positional flexibility, can play third, can play second. You could probably stick him in left field and feel good about it. Um, Is he a weapon that somebody comes along asking for at a reasonable price? David Peralta, there's rumors out there this week that teams have been calling on David Peralta, and the Diamondbacks are listening. He's 33 now. He's one of the more reliable contact hitters in this lineup, but certainly not having the season that anybody hoped he would have. So does he become an option for somebody? And I I don't want to go there yet, but there's always going to be rumors surrounding Cattell Marte. The reason being, he is on an unbelievable contract for the team. And this was one of Mike Hazen's better deals that he's made in terms of the team aspect. When they acquired Cattell Marte, he was not the main piece in that trade with the Seattle Mariners back then. he I don't want to say he was a throw-in, but he was an up-and-coming shortstop, and they had the foresight to sign him to a long-term deal with incremental pay increases so that you knew for the first four or five years you were going to have him on a, on a cheap deal. And now he's going to start to make more and more money, but he's never going to be paid what I think he's capable of. 
which two years ago was possibly an MVP candidate. He just has to put it all together. So I'm not ready to sell off on, on Cattell Marte, but if they continue to lose the way they have, they're, Derek, they're 20 and 43. They're on pace for 111 losses. They've lost 19 straight road games, and they've only won five of their last 35 home games. So it's looking pr- pretty bleak at this point. Now, looking at the pitching matchups for this weekend, right now, the schedule is looking great for the Angels on Friday night, getting Shohei Otani out there to face off with Merrill Kelly. How does that matchup pan out for you, in your view? Well, it's funny because Otani is obviously the crown jewel of the Angels right now, especially with Mike Trout out. You don't need me to tell you that. As a person who observes the Diamondbacks, and we get a lot of West Coast baseball, but we don't see the Angels a lot. So Shohei Otani is finally having that season where he's put it all together. We've known that he's capable of pitching and hitting and doing what he's doing, but he never had really done it to the level he's doing it right now. So for me, Shohei Otani is like the, I mean this with all due respect, he's like the bearded lady at the the traveling circus. Like, I just can't wait for him to come through town so I can, I can get my eyes on him. It's unbelievable. So I'm excited to see Shohei Otani. I mean, the Diamondbacks got, like, I think two hits tonight. So, I mean, if they face a a revved-up Otani, it could be a masterful performance. I don't know. They've had a couple of stinkers this season like that. So, I'm really interested in Friday night's matchup. Merrill Kelly, not exciting. Uh, He's, he's, for some backstory, he's a former ASU guy, so he's local. Goes overseas, pitches overseas, comes back. He's a rookie at age, whatever it was, I think 30-31. He's been okay. He had a really good first half of last season. But as you know, that's only a month. So it wasn't exactly uh, enlightening of a season. So I I don't know. It it looks like a strong advantage to Shohei Otani, especially after tonight's performance from the Diamondbacks. But uh, we'll see. The Angels don't have a lot else in terms of pitching from my point of view. Well, they sent Alex Cobb out there on Saturday. And... uh... Um, I've got thoughts on that. <laughs> on your side of the aisle, though, you're matching up a guy I don't know much about. I, I mean, I just, I'm going to be honest, I know nothing about him. So I'm hoping you can fill me in. Caleb Smith. Yeah, so Caleb Smith was acquired last season. Uh, I believe that would have been, was that the Jazz, Ch- Jazz Chisholm was the Zach Gallon trade. So it would have been the Starling Marte trade when they sent him off to Miami. Caleb Smith was a part of that package. Left-hander, um, I think he's a four or a five in, in most rotations in baseball, but he fell out of favor after only one start, which everyone here kind of thought was a little bizarre at the beginning of the season. Um, it's not like he earned that demotion to the bullpen, but he's back trying to earn his way back into the rotation while all these guys are injured. He's been very, very good at what they asked him to do this season, which was pitch out of the bullpen. And he's pretty much the only guy who's been doing well out of the bullpen. So he's earned his spot back, I, I think, in my eyes. He's earned this start over this weekend. And so I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, he's got a fire lit underneath him, and I think he needed that. I heard Tori Lovello say, I think it was just today, was talking about how they would have conversations. He and he and Tori would talk about, like, hey, where am I on, on your guys' list? As these guys get injured, am I getting called to the, you know, basically getting called up the rotation? Am I going to get the nod? And Tori just kept telling him, you know, just keep doing your job, keep doing what we're telling you to do, and eventually there's going to be an opportunity. And they've just had so many injuries that we finally do have that opportunity. 
So last game of the se- last game of the series is on Sunday afternoon. By the way, are you going to any of these games? Are you heading out? I was planning to, but I'm not sure which one at this point. I really wanted to see Otani on Friday, but it looks like that's not going to work out for me. So um, I'm not sure yet, but I'm excited about the series to watch either way. Uh, go see Otani. Make the magic yeah. happen. Patrick Sandoval, and I'm guessing this is John Duplantier. Did I get it right? John Duplantier, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a stretch, I think. <laughs> Francais. So, how do you see this matchup, especially? I, I don't know anything about Duplantier either. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know anything about Sandoval. So, we, we'll call it even. But John Duplantier is interesting. He, before the Hazen era, before this current regime of the front office, Duplantier was widely considered one of the better pitching prospects in this organization. Now, back then, that didn't mean much because they didn't have a lot of talent in the system. They were probably bottom 5 to 10 farm system around the game. So John Duplantier was kind of a standout in that way. Once he reached the major leagues, he never really latched on. And a lot of people thought maybe he's a high-leverage bullpen piece. Um, he's a little bit older for a guy who is trying to break into the league. I mean, he's 26 right now, and he's got a couple starts under his belt, but um, he hasn't lived up to the expectation of where he was as a ranked prospect in this organization. But I think he has plenty of opportunity in front of him, just like we talked about with Caleb Smith. When 80% of your starting uh, rotation is gone, somebody's got to step up. Uh, we've certainly seen Taylor Widener do that, so. I wouldn't put it past John Duplantier to stick for at least a little while, but I don't expect him to be in the rotation for the remainder of the year. Gotcha. So the, the, the current lineup right now for the Diamondbacks, how does it match up with the Angels right now? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that earlier, and there's been a lot of iterations of the Diamondbacks lineup. And because they've had all those injuries, they've tried – so many different guys in center field like Nick Heath was the center fielder for the Diamondbacks for a short time Paven Smith who's traditionally a first baseman has been playing center field um you've got tons of guys who have played right field uh, Cole Calhoun a name that you'd be familiar with um he's supposed to be the starter but then you know you got a lot of Smith you've got a lot of Rojas you've got a lot of guys switching up in the outfield Tim LaCastro has played a lot in the outfield. Marte went healthy, which isn't a lot. Um, so there's a ton of iterations. Uh, just look at two. Eduardo Escobar is really the key to that. Because Eduardo Escobar is the Diamondbacks' third baseman, I think is what most fans around the nation would say. But Eduardo Escobar has actually played the most second base out of anybody on the team. And that's because of the addition of Esdrubal Cabrera, who doesn't quite have the range. So he's been playing third. And so positional flexibility has been huge for the Diamondbacks. Pretty much everybody plays multiple positions except uh, catchers and, and probably David Peralta in left field. But I would say it's interesting to look at the Angels. I see a guy like Jose Iglesias who reminds me a lot of Nick Ahmed at times. Not a ton of pop, not really known for his bat, defensively a pretty good player. So you've got something comparable there. We haven't even mentioned the return of Justin Upton, which... I don't know how many Diamondbacks fans are really thinking about that, and I haven't spent too much time thinking about that because Upton wasn't really what he was all chalked up to be with the Diamondbacks. He spent mm-hmm. six years here, but I mean, even in his best season, I know he was fourth in MVP voting, but he only had 88 RBIs, uh, 31 home runs. He had one really good season with the Diamondbacks. So I don't know anything about that. We don't really have a, a big bopper 
like that or you know somebody who's doing well in the power department but doesn't hit for average there isn't that player on the diamondbacks right now so i think they're an interesting matchup for sure but it just depends on the day because tori lavello likes to switch things up mid-game whoever's starting at the beginning of a diamondbacks game likely that lineup will look very different at the end of the game and that's just because of the positional flexibility which they've really leaned into where does well where does Lovello in terms of blame fall with, the, with kind of downfall of the franchise in the last couple of years yeah it's a conversation we have a lot um when tori Lovello was brought over to work under mike hazen who they obviously worked together previously with the red sox Tori Lovello was instrumental in some of those championships in Boston when he filled in uh, for John Farrell, I think it was, when he left the game for when he was sick for a time. So Tori Lovello was the right guy at the right time. I truly believe that. And he comes in, they have that magical 2017 season where they end up winning the wild card game in dramatic fashion. Archie Bradley, of all people, hitting a triple. Uh, and the, the place goes nuts. And that's the last time we saw the place go nuts, to be honest with you. And Torrey hasn't been the greatest uh, uh, in terms of on-field production, wins and losses. It's not been good since then. And so to answer your question, how much blame does he deserve? I think Torrey has done a fantastic job this season with what he has, which is not much. And I'm talking talent. I'm talking guys getting injured left and right. Um, I think he's done what he can, and he's trying to be as innovative as he's ever been to try to survive this, to try to get something out of nothing. Um, With that said, like I mentioned earlier, in sports, it's always the coach that goes. It'll never be the GM first, at least not usually, because then they want to get a new coach. So if someone's going to get fired, I would say first and foremost, it's probably a pitching coach or a hitting coach. But in this situation, Torrey Lovello's kind of on the hot seat. He's in the last year of his contract. Uh, they never re-upped him before the season. A lot of people asked questions before the season even started. And they just kind of said, well, we, n- we never got to it. And it's not super important to Torrey, and, which I don't know if that's true. But, you know, that's what he says. And um, they always talk about we'll, we'll do what we will when we get to it. But I don't know if we're going to get to that point. I don't know if we're going to get to, you know, August and September when the season's over. I kind of doubt that they're going to look at the situation and be like, wow, that was great. Let's let's re-up them. I don't know. Maybe instead of a firing, it's just kind of a fade to black. Hmm. I, I kind of think they'll fire him. I mean. <laughs> well, let's be honest. The direction things are going right now, it certainly looks like that's more than likely. But from, that's from an outside perspective. When I look at it from an inside perspective, usually coaches get fired when they lose the locker room, right? In any sport. When the, mm-hmm. when the guys no longer trust what the leader is saying. And I'm here to tell you, Derek, I don't think that's what's happening in Arizona. I don't think Tori Lovello has lost the clubhouse. I really don't. And I think the players love him. And it's, it's not the typical coach who comes in and is like, we're family. We all love each other. It's not... He's not a hippie. He... He just has the trust of all these guys. I really just think it's not as talented of a team as we all thought that they could have been before the 2020 season. So what's the road back for the Diamondbacks? What's the road back? Oh, I wish I knew. If they, if they knew, I think they'd try to get on it. But 
it's a long road back at this point. And I, I honestly don't know what back means this season because oh, I mean, I'm not even thinking long. this season at 20 and 43, you're kind of done, but you know, this is a franchise you thought that was heading down a, a, to a pretty good place just a couple of years ago. So where's the farm system at right now? Is there, is there hope down the line for them or, or are they in trouble? Yeah, there is some hope. Uh, I will tell you that when uh, Hazen and crew got here, what was that, 2017 or 2016, whatever it was, they were in the doldrums. They were not in a good place. They were bottom 5 to 10 farm system. And there was a class a couple years ago, I can't remember if it was 2018 maybe, where they had seven of the top 75 picks in that draft, and they all of a sudden just shot up the charts. You traded a guy like Paul Goldschmidt to get Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, who you could argue that both have been disappointing in their time with the Diamondbacks, but you get those kinds of players. Um, the move to get Zach Gallen was brilliant. The move that brought in Cattell Marte was brilliant. And then the farm system has grown. They're to probably top five to ten now. I think most, or uh, you know, like the Keith Laws of the world would probably put them five to ten, somewhere in that range. There is hope on the way. Uh, Dalton Varsho is a prospect who's been lauded, but I was a little surprised last year that he made it to the major leagues to play center field. He's a catcher who's not great defensively, but he also plays center field. Kind of a weird thing. I expected him to play left field, if anything, so maybe he has a future there. If David Peralta gets moved, I don't know. Um, but in the minor leagues, you have some really good outfield prospects. That's what they have right now. Number one is Corbin Carroll. He is uh, he was a great college hitter. He's a smaller guy, speedster, left-handed thrower, um, great approach at the plate. But unfortunately, he just got injured for the season. So we're not going to see Corbin Carroll this year. There was no minor league season last year. So who knows where he's at in terms of his uh, development and how far away he is from the majors. I just don't know the answer to that. Then there's Christian Robinson, who was formerly regarded as their highest ranked prospect. I would compare him to, uh, maybe, he's an, maybe he's an Upton. He's a corner outfielder, big arm, athletic, pretty fast, taller guy, but there's a lot of swing and miss in that bat. So that's their biggest concern. He's also had some legal troubles this offseason. And I don't even believe he's in the country currently. So they're trying to get him back into the country. So there are some concerns there. And then there's a guy named Alec Thomas, who is another center fielder. All these guys play center field, by the way, in the minor leagues. So maybe they all end up playing the outfield together someday. And Alec Thomas is another smaller, quicker guy. Great contact approach at the plate. So I do have faith that there is hope coming. There's some good pitchers. Tommy Henry is a former College World Series pitcher with the Michigan Wolverines. Um, they've got Dre Jamison, Slade Sacconi. Uh, so there's a lot of good talent on the way. I like the farm system for the Diamondbacks. It's just we have no idea how far they are from being in the major leagues. Well, I mean, it's better than, I guess, that prognosis is better than the current prognosis of the Tigers. No one knows well, where they're going to be. That's fair. Well, here's the thing, too, that I was going to say is how does Hazen – how much blame does Hazen and, and Amiel Sade and their company, how much do they take the blame for what's going on with the Diamondbacks? Because it's easy to blame Tori Lovello, but he doesn't have a lot to work with. And whose fault is that? I would say it's the front office. But at the same time, when you're a front office general manager, president of baseball operations, whatever, you have two jobs primarily. One is to build a farm system that can feed the major leagues. And then the other job is to win at the major leagues. And they haven't done that. They haven't done it since 2017, certainly. And this is a, an extremely tough division right now. 
we know how good the Dodgers are, and they and they pay a lot of money to be that good. The Padres are certainly going for it and have probably the the most exciting player in the league in Fernando Tatis and tons of pitching. And then the Giants come out of nowhere and are having the most success out of all those teams currently. So uh, it's a division that might not be winnable right now. Does that play into their decisions going forward? I don't know. But Hazen's done one thing very, very well, and that's build the system. He's done another thing very, very poorly, and that's win at the major league level. Just said this is nothing to do with the Angels and Diamondbacks. Just out of curiosity, how do you view the Giants? I'm just wondering if it's a bit of fool's goal. They got hot, and eventually the talent of the Padres and the Dodgers will catch up. But you see the Giants a lot more than I do. Is that assessment anywhere near possible? Possibly yeah, it, it feels like an anomaly to me, but I don't want to discount the things that have gone right for them. For instance, I look at Kevin Gossman and the incredible season he's having so far, and it's it's like nothing we've ever seen before. I mean, I compare it to when Jake Arrieta left the Baltimore Orioles and went to the Cubs and all of a sudden wins the Cy Young. Like it, it feels like that to me, where he's the most reliable starting pitcher maybe in the game right now, and I, nobody saw it coming. Nobody. They offered him, I think they offered him the qualifying offer, and he took it. And that was un- unheard of, basically, around the game. So you got that combined with Brandon Crawford is one of the best offensive players in the game right now. That doesn't really compute with his history in that organization. So there's a lot going right for the Giants right now, and I don't want to discount it. I think uh, I really like uh, Yastrzemski. I like a lot of players on the team. Buster Posey's been fantastic, which is great for the game because that's a former MVP who kind of fell off the map for a few years. So I, I think it's great what the Giants have put together so far. And as an outside observer, I, I'm stunned. I don't think that it's all maintainable or sustainable. Um, so we'll see. I think the Dodgers and, and the Padres will start to kind of separate themselves eventually. But I wouldn't be shocked if we have three teams from the division who are playoff capable. Well, I mean, I don't really think the rest of the league in terms of the NL is, is all that good this year. I mean, it's, I think that it's very top heavy. Those teams like the Dodgers and, and Padres just seem like the class of the league this year. Whereas the American League is much more spread out. A lot of good teams, I'm not sure any of those teams will beat the Padres or or the Dodgers come playoff time. So, come World Series time. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll see. But that's just kind of like my view on it. We'll find out. So, Steve, can you let can you let folks know where they can find your work, find the podcast? Because, like you were saying, you didn't know how I found you. So. Yeah, well, no, it's it's great that you mention it. I appreciate it so much. I'll I'll do a selfless uh, little plug here. But yeah, the Ain't No Fang podcast, we cover the Diamondbacks every single week. Uh, it's me, Cody Fincher, and Derek Montilla, who is a beat writer for the team as well. So we try to give kind of a, I'm kind of the talking head, Cody's a super fan, and then we got a, a beat reporter. So it's a really cool podcast. We have a lot of fun with it every week. It's at ArizonaSports.com. You can find us there. Uh, also, the Arizona Sports app, if you want to check it out, we're on there every single week, and uh, it's, it's a ton of fun. We, we like to have fun with it. Unfortunately, we're in a position where we have this awful team that we have to talk about, and you know, you start to get into these conversations of who do we fire, who do we trade, and none of us wanted to be there two months into the season, but here we are. And unfortunately, there, there you'll be, <laughs> so got to find a way to suffer through it. We've been there. It's been, I think, six years since we've made the playoffs. 
Oh, yeah. What's funny, I, I'll just throw this in. I know you're probably trying to wrap up, but one thing that I kind of wanted to note that I found hilarious about the two organizations and how they tie together, other than Justin Upton, is Tony LaRussa used the Diamondbacks and the Angels in his, as like his plaything on his way to becoming the manager of one of the best young up-and-coming teams. And that makes no sense to me. He left nothing but destruction in his wake. In Arizona especially, and I know in a more minor role in, in Los Angeles, it's ridiculous to me that that guy is the manager of one of the more exciting teams in the game after what he did as an executive, which was nothing. Blows your mind, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, and especially there's probably a gajillion fresh baseball minds in the league right now that could probably do a better long-term job for the White Sox and what Larissa will do. Yeah, and I understand it's a Jerry Reinsdorf thing, and I, I get what he was going for, that he was trying to right a wrong from, you know, 30-plus years ago, maybe 40 years ago, but I get that, but, man, have you ever seen a guy who was so good at one job, and that's managing, and so atrocious at another, which was running an organization I, I, Tony LaRusso, I loved the guy. I, I idolized the guy, and I loved having conversations with him, and there's no better baseball mind, but it's, it's like Michael Jordan owning the, the Hornets. It's, like, it's not going anywhere, you know? Like, uh, it was just so bad. I think he set this organization back pretty far, but uh, obviously they're further along now, and they can't blame him anymore. I mean, I guess that's true, but still. I just, I, I still blows me away. I, you know, they, and they may have immediate success or they're doing just fine this year, but I wonder what that does for the White Sox down the road. I'm curious. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really don't. Um, the whole thing with Yermin Mercedes was, was kind of crazy and interesting discussion, but there were so many moves that that the Tony La Russa, Dave Stewart era brought to Arizona that were so exciting at the time. Zach Greinke getting $206 million. And then he wasn't that good in his first year. He ended up being okay, but they had to trade him. Shelby Miller, that was an exciting trade, but they gave up the number one pick in the draft for Shelby Miller, and he was awful. Probably the worst pitcher in this organization's history. And we've had some really bad ones. So I, I don't know, man. I, I just thought it was funny when I remembered that Tony La Russa had worked his way through Los Angeles, at least short term in a very minor role. But it cracks me up to think about how these two organizations got duped, and then he ended up in the dugout for the Chicago White Sox. I suspected that he was angling for the Angels' job. Maybe. I suspected that, but you know, they, I think Joe Madden was always the guy for for them. Well, and how much was he just helping out Joe Madden? You know, because in his role with the Red Sox, which I think was comparable, he was helping out Dave Dombrowski, obviously a longtime friend in the game. So, was he doing something like a favor for Joe Madden? Probably. He wasn't there long. You could probably attest to it better than I could. It didn't look like he had a major impact, but man, did he run the Diamondbacks into the ground. <laughs> and it was, it was not good. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear it, dude. Yeah, you, we've been there. We, we know what, what it's like, so we get it. Okay, well, I hope to have you on again when these two teams meet. In the meantime, have a great one, and good luck the series. Thanks so much, Derek. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Same here. Thank you. All right. So, a couple things here. Entering tonight's game with the Royals, the Angels were 29 32. They've won seven or last 10. And again, we, I, as I'm recording this, I don't know the result of the game that's tonight. 
Um, they're scheduled to put Shohei Otani on the mound on Friday night. Let's hope that sticks because we all love watching Shohei right now. They're in Arizona. The Angels are 12 and 16 on the road this year. But again, they have won seven out of the last 10. They're, they're playing a lot better. And if they can just keep this up, they'll be in decent condition for when Mike Trout gets back. Here's hoping they keep doing what they've been doing and putting the ball in play, pitching decently, not perfect. I know, I know it hasn't been, hasn't been pretty sunny days, but they're doing enough to win. And that's what matters. Okay, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Hills and follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo. We'll be back. Take it easy, we're out of here. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.